This episode is brought to you by the Insurgents Experience. The Insurgents Experience is a ministry mastermind mentoring program for kingdom leaders. This is different from my normal mentoring resource, which is the Deeper Christian Life Network. The Insurgents Experience is a one-year high-level mentoring mastermind for people who regularly teach and or preach. This would be lead pastors, traveling teachers, church planters, missionaries, those who teach in Bible colleges and in seminaries. At the time that I'm recording this, I am working with 11 kingdom leaders, most of whom are lead pastors of churches who are in their 30s. If you're interested in the insurgents experience and want to learn more about it, you can go to ministrymind.org, ministrymind, all one word, dot org. That will bring you to the insurgents experience page. You could read all about it, and if it resonates, go ahead and apply. When registration opens, you will be contacted. On our podcast, a lot of times we we have different guests that push us deeper into Christ, and we want to explore how they get to that place of depth in Christ. And that's part of the whole supernatural purview of our podcast. And so today's guest is a is a conference speaker, a blogger, and a best-selling author. He helps serious followers of Jesus know their Lord more deeply so they can experience real transformation and make a lasting impact. His blog is regularly ranked in the top five of all Christian blogs on the web. And his podcast, Christ is All, has ranked number one in Canada and number two in the USA on iTunes. It's a great podcast, you guys. His Insurgent podcast features discussions with his conversation partners on the explosive gospel of the kingdom. So today, I'd like to welcome our guest, Frank Viola. How are you doing today, Frank? I'm doing great, and I'm happy to be on your show, man. It's a privilege. Yeah, well, we appreciate it, too. We kind of have a format that we based yeah. off some other podcasts that we listen to and stuff, and and we all, we usually ask our our listeners if they can in a like a five minute or or shorter form if they could tell us um, one of the most uh, supernatural experiences that you've ever had with God. We're not we're not hyper charismatic, but we still believe in the power of the supernaturalness of God, and we want to see that to further movements and discipleship and stuff. But we always ask, you know, what is the the most supernatural experience you've ever had? I do want to answer it. It makes me a little uncomfortable, and I'll tell you why. The first thing I want to say is that the supernatural and the miraculous are not the same. So the word supernatural, basically, we're talking about what is beyond or outside of the natural, natural power, natural energy. The miraculous is more dramatic. It's actually the suspending of natural laws. So, for example, if you're testifying about Jesus Christ to someone who does not know him, and the words are flowing from your mouth like hot water, cutting like a knife through butter, and you have wisdom that exceeds your own abilities, and the person's heart is opened up and they believe, Mm. that's supernatural. But Mm -hmm. it's not miraculous because no natural law has been suspended, right? right? On the other hand, if you pray for someone who has been deaf all their lives, and instantly they're healed. 
they can hear for the first time. That's miraculous because you have natural laws being suspended. So the miraculous right. is always supernatural, but something can be supernatural and not be miraculous. So I would say this in answer to your question, and this is why it makes me uncomfortable. People tend to follow a person who claims to have the miraculous yeah. very often above and beyond following Jesus Christ himself. In other words, Christians tend to elevate the individual who claims or makes claims about the miraculous. And I've watched this happen for four decades. I mean, my tribe of Christian is the charismatic Christian, all right? That's where I came from. For example, Johnny is preaching somewhere, and he says, Last night an angel came to me while I was sleeping. He sat on my bed, and he told me not to eat pizza before bed. A large part of the audience hearing Johnny is going to think Johnny is something special. He has some kind of an elite walk. Maybe he glows in the dark at night. <laughs> and they'll follow Johnny above Jesus Christ. Even though that usually never reaches the conscious level, that's what yeah. ends up happening. And what's interesting, though, is that the Johnnies that I have met throughout my life, who are constantly talking about the miraculous, by and large, do not know the heartbeat of God which is mm. his eternal purpose or the mystery that Paul called it. And the typical Johnny has a very low understanding of the gospel. It's very shallow. It's been in my experience in, in meeting people who, who claim the miraculous often. They're ignorant of the deeper things of God. So in my estimation, I am very careful not to talk a whole lot about the miraculous in mm -hmm. and through my life because I know what it does. And yeah. so many Christians tend to chase miracles instead of the Lord. And really, miracles are designed to get people's attention so that they hear the message. It's the message that's important. And that's what a sign is. A sign is not the substance. A sign is to point to the substance. And of course, I'm sure you know, as you know, probably, there are false signs and there are signs that are contrived. Mm -hmm. And this is especially true in many parts of the charismatic world. But having mm -hmm. said all of that, I will answer your question. I, I'm not going to give you the greatest supernatural because that's more of a private thing that okay. happened to me. But I will share one with you that is close to my heart because it involves my mother. And I'm Italian, so we Italian boys, we love our mothers. You know what I mean? We don't want to, <laughs> we don't want to lose them. In May of 2021, my dear mother got very sick and nobody knew what was going on. She had many tests saw several different doctors, and it was a perplexing mystery. And what happened, the symptoms were she was worn out, she had massive, profound fatigue, and she had a fever that went on for days and days and days. And one day in May of 21, it reached 106. Wow. And my wife told me, my wife's in the medical industry, and she said, you need to take her to the hospital right away. So I checked it again <laughs> before I did that. It was 104, then 105, then 106. I probably checked it four times. And I was getting ready to take her. And then I just had this impression to read about the healing of Peter's mother-in-law when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law in the gospel. So I went upstairs and looked at that in the scripture. I read it and I thought, all right, I'm going to do the same thing. <laughs> So I went downstairs. My mother was staying in our guest room, and I laid hands on her, and I prayed the exact prayer that Jesus prayed, which basically was one where he rebuked the fever. Mm -hmm. So I rebuked the fever in the name of Jesus Christ, and then I had an impression to wait seven minutes. I don't know why. I just had that impression. So then I checked her temperature seven minutes, 
it dropped to 97.8 and I did it again. It was 98.8. I probably checked it five times in a span of an hour and it never rose beyond normal again. And then wow. we found out, finally, we found out what the problem was. She had uh, been bitten by a tick and so had that in her system. And uh, she never had a fever again, brother. She she mended. She was on the rise ever since, and she's perfect now. So uh, that oh, was an awesome. example of, of a, I would even say miraculous, because it's, you know, yeah. that's not natural for a fever to break that fast and that mm -hmm. drastic. And then it never came back. So I thank the Lord for that. And again, I'm reluctant to share things like this, but it nevertheless praise his name. Well, I, I totally get it because, I mean, after reading the, the book 48 Laws of, of Spiritual Power, I totally get where you're coming from with that because of I'm, I'm like you in the sense a lot of the book was very, you know, rebuking to me in a good way, in a good way. But but then there was a lot of it. And I was like, yeah, 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 I, man, I'm I'm with you. And the celebrityism that which we'll get we'll get into later in the in the in an interview. Right. The miraculous stuff you're talking about, the people that latch onto it, that leads to a lot of the celebrityism, and that to me is one of the banes of the body of Christ. And all the more if 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 someone's performing, you know, miracles. So I, I totally get what you're where you're coming from, and. uh that's a good distinction. I'm going to make that from here on out on my podcast. So thank you. Sure. You know, we've been talking about your books earlier and just wondering how many you've written to date and which ones do you think are the, what would you say are the most important? You know, I did a count recently and altogether, and this is beginning when I was starting from the time I was actually published, which is 2005. Since 2005, I have written 34 books. Now, 15 of them are included in my gigantic monstrosity. We call it the Titan, and it's uh, entitled There Must Be More. So there's 15 books in that book alone. But adding them all together, it's 34. And to your question about most important titles, to me, for me, uh -huh. and I want to make a comment about uh, something you said there, Brandon, about how the new book, 48 Laws of Spiritual Power, was often a rebuke to you in a good way. Just know that everything I wrote in that book was a rebuke to me. <laughs> and so that's where it came out of because I had to test it first in my own life and experience what I was talking about before I put it in a book. So I've been down that road before. That's my journey. And so I'm just paying it forward. But I would say the most important titles to my mind are Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom is the subtitle. And that's a detailed exploration of the earth-shaking, seismic, titanic, life-altering gospel of the kingdom, which, of course, Jesus preached, but also Paul preached and the other apostles preached. And you said you were reading that right now. Yeah, I love how it's written. I love the bite-sized pieces of it. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? That's what I think about with that book. So Okay. <laughs> That's great. That's a great compliment. Yeah. The other one is... Another book you had mentioned earlier when we talked offline, and that's From Eternity to Here. And the message of that book for your listeners is the eternal purpose of God, which is beyond wonder. It's a revelation bathed in golden light. One person said the book is poetry in motion, which was very mm, I agree. For me. I very much agree. Yes, it's excellent. And, well, I appreciate that. God's favorite place on earth? Very dear to my heart, one of my most sublime works. And interestingly enough, more men have written to me after reading that book saying they wept through it. 
which I found mm. that fascinating, but encouraging. So there's that. And then a book entitled Jesus Manifesto, which I wrote with my friend Leonard Sweet, which uh, is a cure for JDD, Jesus Deficit Disorder, and it exalts Christ and puts him in his place, his rightful place. And then the one you mentioned earlier, the newest one, 48 Laws of Spiritual Power. I really believe that is one of my most important works. Yeah. Yeah. One of the books that you were you were talking about, the God's Favorite Place on Earth. I need to get that. And and what struck me with what you just said is one of the biggest burdens on my heart is to see men walk in spirituality, to walk with Jesus, to walk in intimacy, to embrace being a bride and a son. Mm. A lot of times they, they focus on the son part because it's the more masculine and not the bride part. But uh but to hear you say that 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 book you know had men in tears that that's that's encouraging to me and it's probably going to be a book I'm going to be giving out to to guys so how would you describe the body of your work when it comes to your books well, what's the i guess your sweet spot what what it, what what if you could encapsulate it what would it be yeah well i have sought to create a um, a library to craft a library of books that blends together the best of theology, devotional literature, deeper life themes, Jesus studies, historical narrative, and Christian fiction, creating a new genre of Christian literature. My collection of books, uh, the 34 (laughs) titles up to this point, can be characterized or categorized under the heading Light and Shade. And this is what I mean by that. Light refers to books that contain the element of the sublime. These are devotional, inspiring, and they seek to throw fresh light on Christ and the scriptures. And so what I try to do in those books, Brandon, is to turn on the lights in places where no light exists. (laughs) And some Mm -hmm. examples would be some of the titles we just mentioned God's Favorite Place on Earth, From Eternity to Here, Jesus Manifesto, uh, another book, which is the the other book that goes with God's Favorite Place on Earth, The Day I Met Jesus. That's another work of biblical literature. And then we have Shade. Now, that refers to books that contain a prophetic edge, challenging the status quo and blazing new frontiers. And so consequently, I, I would say some examples in that category would be Insurgents, 48 Laws of Spiritual Power, and a few of my older books, Pagan Christianity and Reimagining Church. I guess another way to describe my work is tight but loose, light and shade. I'm someone who, I dance on the edges, right? My work is really not for people who are in the middle. The middle is where the masses are, and what appeals to the masses is the average and the mediocre. Yes. The mass market is designed for what's average and safe because the masses are people who seek safety. But there's no mass market for what I create, which for an author is not great because (laughs) while I have bestsellers, they're not mega bestsellers. But I create work that is remarkable. That's my goal anyway. And remarkable Mm -hmm. simply means it's worth making a remark about. Remarkable, though, is for a small group of people. And in my experience and in my observation, following Jesus Christ is radical. You know, he was an insurgent in the culture. And one of the things that bears the mark of an insurgent is that it doesn't fit into the status quo. It doesn't meet spec. It's not sanctioned by the establishment. It's out on the edges. People who are on the edges, they're not the masses, for better or for worse. These are people who say in their hearts, 
there has to be more than this. You know, when they look at the landscape of Christianity, that's the question that burns in them. There's got to be more than this. There must be more. And that's the mm. question that burned in my heart as a young Christian in his 20s. And same it's, here. You know, yeah, yeah, amen. You we're on the same page there, as we talked about earlier. But that was the impetus. That's the provocation of everything that I've written. By way of confession, I guess, I'm someone who gets bored very easily. And most of what's in contemporary Christianity, to me, Right or wrong, it's simply a, a large yawn. That happens to be, though, one of the secrets to my creativity, though, because, because I get so bored easily. I want to do something, produce something that's changed my life, and that's different. It's outside the box. But it's inside the box of Christian orthodoxy, outside the box of what's traditional. So anyway, I'm basically someone who dances on the edges, and that's where the fruit is, right? On any tree, the fruit is found at the ends. It's on, it's on the edges. Yeah. And so that's yeah. what I have found. So this is all a personal confession. I mean, you know, not everybody resonates with my work. Certainly the masses of Christians do not, simply because it's outside the norm. Nevertheless, there is that group of believers who say deep within themselves, there has to be more. And that's, that's what my work seeks to speak to. Well, I, I just think that's following the footsteps of our, our Lord. I mean, he, he was definitely out on the fringe. And I think, you know, this is speculation, but he probably wanted more. And want, he definitely wanted his disciples to want more. Yeah. And, uh, and then again, like you said, his meal was not palatable for the masses. I mean, he, he would whittle them down, and we've noticed in discipleship, it's it's really counterintuitive and hard to have to like shake your dust off of somebody's feet and say, no, I'm not pouring in that person anymore. They don't want it bad enough. Right. And Christian, you know, normal Christianity doesn't, doesn't promote that. And I'm like, I'm not wasting my time. There's other people out there that do want it. Yes. Thank you for that. That's, all, that's encouraging. Hey guys, this is a postscript just before you head out and we part ways. I have created a bundle of free resources. This would include my other podcasts, the YouTube channel, several free ebooks, free seminars, and other free resources. And you can find all of that at frankviola.com. And if you go to frankvella.com, you will see in the top menu a link that says free stuff. You just click on that and you will be taken to the free resources page. Also, a number of you have asked if you could donate to help defray the costs of the podcasts and also to express appreciation for the value that you've been receiving. You're under no obligation to donate. I don't ask for donations, but should you have it on your heart to do so, you can go to frankviola.us. That's frankviola.us. And that will take you to a donate page. There's three different options you can use to donate, all of them simple. Thank you very much, and God bless.